Welcome to the Proud to be Profane podcast, your initiation into the ways of the square to resurrect the wretch and pee on the all-seeing pyramid of Illuminati enlightenment. And now, here's your host, Mr. Michael Joseph. Welcome to the Proud to be Profane podcast. Welcome to episode 22, where we talk about the Illuminati. And despite all of the mystique around the Illuminati, ranging from alternative media circles to Taco Bell commercials, I think the foundational aspects of the order that has long since been dissolved still live on in both the exoteric and esoteric world, i.e. mainstream and alternative media. And it may be disturbing to some of you that perhaps you hold ideas that were foundational principles to the doctrines of the Illuminati. And perhaps some of these primitive ideas came from elsewhere, either other traditions or cultures tied to Gnostic Manichaean dualism, or if you take a more supernatural viewpoint, which the Illuminati wouldn't, could there perhaps be metaphysical influences at play? And in this episode, we will get into all of the controversies around the Jesuits supposedly being the creators of the Illuminati and of Freemasonry and creating the French Revolution, and Ignatius Loyola, their founder, being a crypto-Judaizer Illuminist in order to foment this revolution in secret and actually being the masterminds behind the Catholic Church but yet at the same time being blindly obedient to the Pope of whom they're supposed to control. Hmm, how does that work? But alas, you'll probably find that all of these claims you hear in the alternative media are kind of full of shit, and ironically part of an original Bavarian Illuminati trick. However, it is quite understandable how one might make this mistake by observing the modern-day Jesuits who perhaps were infiltrated heavily sometime during the 20th century, and now are actually, ironically, promoting doctrines a bit more akin to the Bavarian Illuminati through people like Father James Martin and the Pope Francis's Amazonian Circus. So let's bring it back to the primitive Isis worship, or the Huchimama, or Pachimama, whatever you call her, and go back to that original equality we all once shared. Before, yet again, the evil Catholic demiurge destroyed it. And put a stop to our lovely human sacrifice on top of pyramids for the sun gods. Welcome to episode 22 on the Bavarian Illuminati. And we are continuing our discussion from Mr. Augustine Barrowell's Memoirs of Jacobinism. And in the previous episode, we went into Book 1 and 2 on the Enlightenment Philosophes' role and the roles of esoteric Freemasonry. And I would say that these sections in Book 3 and 4 kind of fuse the two, where there's this sort of scientific rationalism or atheism tied to the Illuminism, and then there are some of the more mystical parts of these orders and doctrines. Now, Adam Weishaupt seems to represent the more rationalist side, and then there's the more mystical traditions, 
And this is tied more to people like Emanuel Swedenberg or Jakob Böhme. And these guys were tied to Lutheran mysticism. And this movement is interesting because it inspired things such as the Holy Alliance and Barbara Julien's strange occult handling of Tsar Alexander I. Kind of like the female Rasputin in a way. Maybe not quite as hardcore as Rasputin and his Clistes folks who were pretty nutty. But nonetheless, the same basic paradigm of trying to influence a Christian monarch. And you even have people like Albert Pike and Madame Blavatsky praising Swedenborg, where Pike says he was Kabbalah without the hierarchy. And he even talks about him in conjunction with Cagliostro, and this will be relevant to one of the traditions of how Adam Weishaupt became initially exposed to these ideas of Illuminism. And the other esoteric side of the coin from the Swedenborg types are the Martinus or the Martinus. And if you've seen the movie The Ninth Gate, there is an allusion to this, where Mrs. Telfer, the lady with the blonde black guy boy toy bodyguard, and having eyes wide shut-esque orgies at her chateau, well, her maiden name was Samartan, which is an allusion to these Martinus. And of course, that whole movie is about esoteric Luciferian illumination and looking for hidden books that the Inquisition was trying to burn and take out any of those dabbling in such things. And can you really blame them, considering all of the themes of the Ninth Gate? And also consider that Roman Polanski was the director, and he was involved in some pretty sordid things with a 13-year-old girl, similar to Leo Frank and the 13-year-old girl. And Polanski comes from a Jewish background, but he might be of the more Gnostic type, because in his Rosemary's Baby, we see the allegory of the demonic impregnation of innocent Rosemary or Sophia, being raped and birthing the grand archon Ialdebaot, i.e. the creator god of the Catholic Church. So it is the Catholic Church's creator god that rapes the esoteric pure spirit of the Eastern religions, as Madame Blavatsky tells us in Theosophy, yet it's people like Polanski who are promoting Theosophy and Gnosticism in their movies, yet he's the one raping a 13-year-old girl. I don't know exactly how that works, but it sounds to me like the scapegoat projection game. So how does that apply to the Illuminati? Well, we'll see Adam Weishaupt engaging in some of the very same hypocritical behavior. And I suppose what is more relevant to today is the type of things that come out of people flooding into their consciousness when they are engaging in these hypocritical acts and feigning virtue as the Cathars were accused of doing, and this will all stem back to Manichaean dualism on some level, as we shall see. But the point being that when these ideas synchronistically flood into the consciousness of individuals who are promoting Gnostic or Illuminist ideologies, they tend to have this noble savage viewpoint where everything was fine with all the pagan tribes, there was this universal primitive religion, and then evil Christianity or that bad word religion came, 
and imposed its will on this virgin Sophia of the mysteries that was tied to a universal pagan religion and raped the cultures and imposed its evil demiurge worship of the Catholic God onto it. But of course, they lump that in with the Catholic missionary work with Protestant evangelization in the New World. And the very obvious example of the fruits of this are that South America, the Catholic side, they still look like the people that came from South America, generally speaking, whereas in North America, you don't see so many of those natives around and it became the land of quote-unquote white privilege. So I find it strange that in the alternative media, where people are talking about the Illuminati ruling the world, they're all bad, Adam Weishaupt was bad, they're all just these terrible people trying to control everyone, yet they promote these noble savage doctrines saying that there was this primitive universal religion that's tied to all the paganism and the Mayans had it or the Incas or the Egyptians or whatever it might be. Well, why are you saying the same stuff as the Illuminati says? And we will see these same ideas coming into play with Adam Weishaupt's background. That seems like a contradiction to me. And furthermore, usually people in the alternative media will bash the quote-unquote leftist Marxist stuff coming out of the universities, yet even they promote these same Illuminati noble savage ideas about how everything was great before evil Christianity took over and imposed its will on all of these primitive cultures that were just trying to be themselves, right? They were just trying to perform human sacrifice because that's just what they do, right? That's no different, better or worse than any other culture. And when tyrannical shaman priests force girls into celibacy in order to perform a religious service to the sun gods, and when they violated those celibacy laws, they were buried alive. That's just, you know, culture, right? But oppressing women in a patriarchy tied to Catholic religion, that's just evil, right? But burying women alive because they violated celibacy laws in these pagan tribes, that's totally fine. That's just liberty. That's actually feminism right there. These older tribes just revered women. They worshipped the nature goddess, right? And then in the alt media, it's the same thing. Oh, there was this secret technology. They had all this ancient wisdom. We need to go back to that. And these evil religious institutions and demiurge worship covered it up. And I learned all this from my ayahuasca experience or my tarot initiation or the psychic medium I went to told me that. Well, why are they all saying the same thing? And why are you bashing the exoteric version of the same things that you actually believe by bashing the leftist Marxist universities as proxy warriors and foot soldiers for the New World Order. And that's the irony. The Illuminati was targeting the universities to try to distribute these noble, savage, abolition of private property, communist-type doctrines. I find that strange. Isn't that kind of a red flag? Isn't that kind of a problem? When you are bashing the Illuminati, yet you are promoting the very same things that they were all about. But we've also talked about the dialectic of Marxism and capitalism. And so there's a more capitalist or pro-private property side of this Illuminism. That's basically the libertarianism that most people promote in the alternative media where you don't impose any set of moral standards on anybody. It's all relative. 
but the free market should always reign supreme. So that is the one difference, really, from the Illuminati doctrines of the abolition of private property, but despite that difference, they still promote the idea of having no government and anarchy, as the anarcho-capitalists call it. So is that a funky little dialectic similar to how the liberal West promotes Darwinism, yet on the other side of the coin, when Nazi Germany is fueled by Darwinist principles tied to their solution to racial inequalities, they get all upset about that and say, well, that's not real Darwinism. But is it fueled by the same principles? They're just dealing with the situation in the complete opposite way that you're trying to where it's just giving the third world free shit at your own expense, yet usually the people promoting that in the aristocracy live in some giant mansion in a quote-unquote white neighborhood that is miles away from any ethnic people. But going away from these left-right paradigms of the noble savage and enlightenment ideals and paganism tied to either rationalist god-of-nature philosophy or any magical traditions tied to that. And let's take it to the opposite side of the dialectic and look at the Protestant side of this coin. Whereas they will say the New Age religion and this primitive paganism is evil and demon worship, but at the same time, they will tell you that the Illuminati and the Freemasons were all created by the Jesuits. Well, how does that work when you actually read the Illuminati doctrines and the Jesuits are their number one enemy and they even tell their members to avoid them like the plague in their recruiting process? How does that work if the Jesuits are running the show but they're telling people to not even go near the Jesuits? That wouldn't make much sense. And then, at the same time, you will find that there is a plan by the Illuminati to make a Jesuit fear porn attached to the exoteric degrees, which are more Christian and more tied to the monarchies of Christendom, i.e. the Blue Lodge degrees, of which Albert Pike says are just there for the outer masses and they're stupid and deceived intentionally, and the real secrets are for the adepts, which are basically promoting Kabbalah, Gnosticism, and these Talmudic-type doctrines. So if they are going to make a plan to scare the Protestants out of the more Christian degrees of Freemasonry by telling them that the Jesuits invented them, and that is going to herd them into the esoteric degrees that are more tied to the Illuminism that the Protestants think are invented by Satan himself, well, how does that work? How do the Jesuits create the Illuminist degrees, yet the Illuminati are creating fake degrees and saying that the Jesuits made them that are more Christian, wouldn't it make more sense that they're using the Protestants as a proxy warrior and hyping up the Jesuit fear porn because they're very susceptible to it, and that is hurting them into the more Illuminati-type degrees and lodges? The ones that are more occult or atheistic or nihilistic or more Bolshevik-type, the Jacobin-type? And this is what Voltaire did, with the Calvinists and the Huguenots. We went through the previous episode on Barwell's memoirs, where Voltaire and his homeboys are intentionally trying to bring the Huguenots into France and get them quote-unquote tolerance because they want them to destroy Catholic France and cause a big battle, and they will make the order out of that chaos. 
and even these Enlightenment deists and Freemasons themselves state that it's so much easier to de-Christianize Europe when the Protestants are in charge, and that the number one bulwark against them is the Jesuits. So how exactly are the Illuminati and the Freemasons tools of the Jesuits when all they're doing is destroying Catholic Empire and the Jesuits? I would say, perhaps, you are under the Ouroboros spell just as much as the other side of the coin, with the people in the alt-media promoting the noble savage, but at the same time bashing the Illuminati and the Marxist universities. So I know we went through a lot that isn't tied to memoirs, but these dialectics are incredibly important because they are all relative to what these Illuminati doctrines actually say and what they show about these dialectics where everybody is actually promoting some sort of Illuminati idea unaware while they're also at the same time bashing them as part of the New World Order system. So with all the caveats and clarifications aside, let's get in to Barwell's memoirs and talk about how we even have the writings of the Illuminati. Well, what happened was the Bavarian police, representing the evil Catholic demiurge, well, they banned this torch of enlightenment and liberty and equality And this justified their raid on an Illuminati hideout, and they found all of the documents that Barwell gives us in his memoirs. And part of this included defenses of suicide, instructions for abortions, and perhaps even chemicals to induce them, and all of the basic doctrines about what real Christianity is. And this reminds us quite a bit of the Cathars where they had their suicidal ritual of the Endura, and then they had the gnosis outside of the church, and that the Catholic Church was actually the beast and the harlot of Revelation, and they embodied the evil principle of the evil creator god of matter. And so that's part of the Manichaean dualism that we will see tied to these Illuminist ideas. But of course, there is a synthesis of that dualism that ties to a more theosophical understanding and this monism that is beyond good and evil. And usually they project the good and evil battle and the dualism onto the Catholic Church as promoting it and being dualistic, which is not part of the theology, but that's ironically the scapegoat ritual that we will see over and over and over again of people projecting their own sins onto something else and usually... It's onto the Catholic Church, and we will see Weishaupt doing that very same thing with his relationship to abortions. And so we talked about how Cathar priests were spreading the ideas that women, when impregnated, had a demon in their baby. And this reflects Sophia being pregnant with Yaldabaoth, and that reflects Rosemary's Baby, also the Prometheus movie by Ridley Scott, And, of course, the leftist universities that are eerily similar to the Illuminati ideas. And what's, again, ironic is that Weishaupt and crew specifically targeted the universities and tried to keep the ex-Jesuits out of them, and ex-Jesuits because they were suppressed at the time, but they were still active, underground doing shady Jesuit things, and they were trying to keep them as far away from their universities they controlled, such as Ingolstadt. But back to the point, these leftist universities today are constantly promoting pro-choice abortion contraceptive 
And we'll see all of these themes at play with Adam Weishaupt and also stemming back to the Cathars, although the Cathars were perhaps a bit more superstitious about things, right? We had the case where the woman was encouraged to ask God for the inversion of an immaculate conception, where the request was for an immaculate abortion, to please ask God for the demon baby inside you to go away. But since things had evolved since then, especially thanks to the Enlightenment philosophes and the Illuminati types who were deifying their own reason as God, well, now they can perform abortions of the more natural means. They don't have to appeal to the good God of spirit to try to get away from their evil demon creation in their stomach. Now they can actually perform these things based upon scientific innovations. And obviously that ties to the modern left today. And in these Illuminati doctrines, they talk a big game about virtue and morality and controlling their passions and that they are really the righteous dudes or the quote-unquote perfecti, as the Cathars called themselves. And it's the Catholic Church who were the hypocrites and couldn't obey their morality and own dogma. But back then, the world was a different place and these ideas of sexual morality were still in place, and so these Illuminati types were trying to adhere to that still, whereas today, the definitions of these things have been reversed, and now it's virtuous to be in complete opposition to old world morality. So Barwell demonstrates this right in the very first chapter of the Antisocial Conspiracy, and while he does get a little bit cranky about Adam Weishaupt and says some not-so-pleasant things about him, he reveals why, because he will give you the writings of Weishaupt dealing with a predicament, where he is a professor at Ingolstadt University, and he has formed his Illuminati, and he is trying to lead the charge for liberty and equality and the torch of rational enlightenment. But because he's in a Catholic country tied to the superstitious Dark Ages, he has to do all these things in secret, right? And so there's another thing he does in secret, which is having sex with his sister-in-law. So this reminds us of the Gnosticism invading the Apostle Paul's Corinthian church, where there was a case of incest, and there is immorality happening, people denying Christ, having their own natural Christ or their own gnosis of it, which we will see the Illuminati promoting. And this is an interesting parallel to Freud, as Dr. E. Michael Jones posits that Freud and his modern psychology being the inversion of the sacrament of confession was actually inspired by the Bavarian Illuminati, and Bavaria is very close to Vienna, in Catholic Austria, and you can see some overlaps there, but Freud also had an affair with his sister-in-law. The difference seems to be that Weishaupt's wife died, and then he started having the affair, whereas Freud was still married. And of course, Freud's affair was with Mina Bernays, who was tied to Edward Bernays, all in the family, right? And he was in charge of a lot of propaganda and furthering particular agendas for the modern world. And the other difference between Freud and Adam Weishaupt is that instead of trying to cover up his sins in secret, as we shall see, 
Mr. Freud simply invented a doctrine to justify his own desires, saying that every man wants incest with the females in his family, especially his mother. And so he used Greek mythology to fuse into this, so is this perhaps hearkening back to the Jewish Gnostics who were more enamored with the Greek Hellenistic culture and more predisposed to reject the idea of a more personal and benign creator God. And we talked about this in Gillis Quispel's Gnostica Judaica Catholica essays on how early Gnosticism had a Jewish flair that was a rejection of their own God and saying that the cosmos was an abortion or a miscarriage. Thus creation is, but spirit or Sophia is in exile because the Catholic Church takes over and this is the wicked false system that is the quote-unquote empire that the rebels must fight against and that is the more Hellenized side of the quote-unquote Jewish revolutionary spirit as E. Michael Jones calls it. So, back to Mr. Weissop's predicament. Well, he, in his own writings, in the first chapter of The Antisocial Conspiracy, gives you some insights. And he says that my honor is in danger, and I am on the eve of losing that reputation which gave me so great an authority over our people, meaning the Illuminati initiates, because he says, my sister-in-law is with child. And he even admits that it was his fault. And he says, how shall I restore the honor of a person who is the victim of a crime that is wholly mine? So he's actually starting to do the Catholic thing, saying, hey, I did this. This was my fault, my problem. And perhaps that is a carryover because he was baptized Catholic as far as I know. And so maybe he has that part of his conscience there. But what he decides to do about the problem is completely in the 180 degrees opposite direction of going to confession and trying to gain absolution. Instead, he is going to try to deal with the problem himself using his own reason and scientific innovation. And you see him in these letters he is writing to particular adepts, in this case, Hertel. They all have secret code names. Adam Weishaupt is Spartacus. He's saying that we have already made several attempts to destroy the child. And he says that this sister-in-law whom he impregnated was determined to undergo all of them. Now, these aren't actual physical attempts of an abortion. He is trying to reach out to different doctors to try to perform it or whoever can give him the technology, so to speak, to deal with this problem that he has. And he had reached out to an adept named Eurifon, but he was too timid to go through this abortion process, probably because in Catholic Bavaria this is a very grave crime. But if he lived in the freedom-loving America, especially today, he could have easily just gone down to the Planned Parenthood down the street, and it wouldn't have been a problem. So since Mr. Eurifon is too timid to perform this procedure, he looks elsewhere and he mentions an adept named Celsa, who apparently was a professor named Bader at Munich. And Mr. Weishaupt says of him, he could be of great service to me. He had promised me his aid three years ago. So this is like some godfather shit. There will come a day when you need to return me a favor. 
And this favor that Godfather Weishaupt is trying to cash in is an abortion. Now, I've heard people defend Weishaupt here, saying that, well, this is Catholic Bavaria, and if they didn't have these strict rules or moral codes, then Weishaupt wouldn't have felt so shameful about this, and thus it's the Catholics' fault for having these ideas of morality that is forcing him into this situation. But if you read Weishaupt's own words as to why he wants to proceed with the abortion if possible, it's because he doesn't want to sacrifice or lose his honor. In fact, he doesn't want the Illuminati adepts, which are the underground who don't believe in anything Catholic. He doesn't want them to know because he would lose his reputation amongst them. He doesn't care about the Catholic society outside of it just being against the law. He is more concerned about looking as a noble leader in front of all of his Illuminati adepts. And we will use his own words to demonstrate this, where Weishaupt says, quote, What vexes me the most in all of this is that my authority over our people, the Illuminati, will be greatly diminished, that I have exposed a weak side, of which they will not fail to advantage themselves whenever I may preach morality and exhort them to virtue and modesty. So what he's saying is that, I can't have the Illuminati members know of this pregnancy and my infidelity and me succumbing to my passions because I preach all the time morality and virtue and modesty to the adepts. So thus, I'll be exposed as a fraud if they know this. So in order for me to keep pretending to be virtuous, I need to have this abortion and have nobody know about it. Now, this is just like the accusations we heard against the Cathars who were adept, quote-unquote, at feigning virtue, pretending to be virtuous, but their actual lies behind the scenes that they were trying to hide from everybody were anything but. And so we see another parallel here to those Cathars of old and these Illuminati doctrines and their behaviors despite promoting and talking a big game about morality, and virtue. And of course, the Catholic side of the coin would be confessing the sins and trying to not repeat them and trying to do the right thing and that everybody struggles with that and nobody is a quote-unquote perfecti and that it is understandable that people make mistakes, even ghastly ones such as this, but is the solution to try to cover it up and hide it And what's even more interesting is Weishaupt, under official oath in his apology later on, will completely contradict these statements, where he's trying to seek out an abortion by any means necessary. And then he says later, quote, I think and declare before God, and I wish this writing to be looked upon as the most solemn declaration, that in all my life I have never heard of those secret means of abortion, nor of those poisons that I have never seen nor had knowledge of any occasion when I or my friends could have even thought of advising, administering, or making any use whatsoever of these abortion procedures. And I say this in testimony in affirmation of the truth. So Mr. Weishaupt is swearing to the God that he doesn't believe in, that he had nothing to do with any abortion procedures or knowledge of them, and that he never had an occasion to use them himself or recommend them to anyone else, 
which is obviously not the case based upon what they found in these Illuminati doctrines and the writings that we just read from Weishaupt himself, seeking out the very same thing he's denying. So is this what happens when you deify your own reason and say that there is no God intervening in human affairs or reading your heart, and when you don't believe in that, you can lie about believing it for the exoteric to try to get away scot-free from crimes, whereas in the esoteric, in your own secret society, you're trying to cover up these crimes and pretend like they never existed. And then you start playing the scapegoat ritual and you start blaming everything that you are doing on others who are not doing those things or they've done something similar but not nearly to the degree that you had done. And we will find that Mr. Weishaupt does this scapegoat projection onto the Jesuits and he accuses them of the ends justify the means doctrines, which is something you always hear about Jesuit conspiracies. And again, we are talking about the old school Jesuits, not the 20th century infiltration of them and the Francis or James Martin type Jesuits, which are actually ironically promoting more of the Illuminati ideas than anything like the Jesuits of old, like Barowell, were a part of. But it is those old world Jesuits that are described as having ends justify the means doctrines. But you'll see Weishaupt in his own words promoting ends justify the means doctrines. So this is the constant scapegoat ritual and projection, just like the modern day left does, to anything that is part of their ideas or their behavior that brings about a real-world bad fruit that they want to bury their heads in the sand, well, you just project it onto fascists who are pointing out those problems and calling them Nazis. And that's what Weissopt is doing. Anybody who is going to try to expose Illuminism like Barowell, he'll call a wicked Jesuit that has an agenda. So despite these hypocrisies, we don't want to be overly pharisaical here and just bash Weissopt. Obviously, this is a terrible situation, but he actually does reconcile with the Catholic Church later on in life, and the whole Illuminati thing fused with Freemasonry in the occult lodges spins out into something different, even though he was the foundational father of it, so to speak, in 1776. And we know there was another founding father endeavor based upon these similar principles over in America in that same year. But the point is, do these ideas lead to all of these problems? And in the Catholic understanding, when you commit a quote-unquote mortal sin, especially if you are Catholic like Weishaupt was baptized into, then that opens you up to demonic possession and suggestion, and perhaps all the ideas flooding his consciousness tied to these noble savage endeavors and promotions is coming from some of those entities. Something to think about. And then consider that in conjunction when people have their ayahuasca awakening or their psychic medium awakening like David Icke or your tarot card initiation synchronicity awakening, why are they pointing you to these noble, savage-esque theosophical ideas and telling you that this is how you ought to be? But look at the actual tangible results here. Is there perhaps an agenda in the above as well as the below to promote such ideologies? 
Speaking of which, let's talk about where Weishaupt might have attained some of this esoteric, illuminist wisdom. And Barwell reveals that there is an Illuminati tradition amongst the adepts of how Weishaupt gained all of these insights and what were the catalysts for him jumping into the ideas of creating a secret society under this Enlightenment rationalism. Well, surprise, surprise, there is a merchant into occultism involved who apparently was from the Jutland or the Danish-German peninsula who went into Egypt and was initiated into the mysteries of Memphis and then stopped in the island of Malta for a time, spreading these doctrines which led to some Jacobin-type rebellions and that caused... A little bit of a stir, and so he fled that whole scene, which he helped foment. And then the famous Count Cagliostro is said to have been a disciple of his. And of course, Mr. Aleister Crowley claimed to be the reincarnation of Cagliostro. And in our Albert Pike Templar series in the Schism 206 member section, we talked all about how Cagliostro was an agent, according to Pike, of these Gnostic, Talmudic, Kabbalistic Templars, whose goal was to institute an alternative Catholic or universal religion, i.e. Freemasonry. And the time to do this was the 18th century, when all of these Enlightenment principles and the French Revolution and the American Revolutions broke out. And of this, they want to rule behind the scenes of the Vatican with this exoteric Christianity out there for the masses, but one which they control, i.e. a more Protestant version, especially one that tells you that the church and the state should be separate. And then they will rule behind the scenes with the secret Illuminism that the adepts are endowed with while the masses worship exoteric religion. And guess what? That all happened with the French Revolution as the Big Bang moment of releasing these occult Masonic Enlightenment principles out into the world and no longer do they have to be hidden in the lodges. That is why the lodges were dissolved, because everyone just believes in these Illuminati or Masonic natural principles. And I would argue that these ideas are just what people believe today in the West, whether they're a more left-wing or right-wing version, it doesn't really matter. The Adam Weishaupt version is more akin to the leftist Marxist universities, and then you have the more alternative versions of that that are magical traditions that utilize these noble savage ideas and communist ideas, but they fuse it with ritual magic. And their mortal enemy is the right-wing side of that, where there are the Aryan noble savages, i.e. the Nazi occultists, who view the Noble Savage Doctrine a different way, where they're at the top of the food chain and all the other weaker races should be subject to them. And one of these weaker races, besides being the Jews, are the Latin Catholics who invented this Latinized religion that is inferior and was imposed upon the Aryan man by such Frankish kings like Charlemagne. And that is the conspiracy there is a Jesuit conspiracy to try and Latinize the strong Aryan Germans who were tied to the northern Lombard tribes who were far superior. 
And ironically, those are the same Lombard tribes that the Catholic Church was fighting against before the Merovingian kings helped out and were their protectors. So it's interesting that the leftist Bolsheviks' mortal enemy are the Nazi types and vice versa. And then in the alternative occult magic realm of that dialectic, the more left-leaning pro-LGBT trans communistic magicians are set against the Aryan occultists and they're obsessed with fighting the evil Nazi occultism, right? And you see this dialectic all the time in the alternative media. So a slight digression, but it's all relative, man, because when you read about the Nazi occultism in books from authors such as Nicholas Goodrich Clark, you'll find that it's basically a right-wing theosophy which dabbles in the territories of Gnostic dualism, where the evil god represents the Catholic Church's god and these inferior races, while the god that's good and of the higher spirit is the Aryan man. And it's really amazing the parallels and the overlap of the more left-wing occultists, how they all believe the same things. It's just there's key things that are set diametrically opposed, like the idea of racial theories. And we talked about the diametrically opposed aspects of libertarianism, where Weishaupt is about dissolving governments, but the abolition of private property Whereas you have the other libertarians that don't want governments, but they want private property. And is that how it goes with this Rubik's Cube of dialectics? You get two full squares that are almost fully red, but you take a couple small ones and you switch them out. And those little small things, you focus on them and you pit them against each other. And that allows you to put people on puppet strings and manipulate them to attack your real enemy because we see the unification of all these groups hating on the old world Catholic Church and the counter-reformation Jesuits regime that's tied to the Habsburg monarchy, generally speaking. So back to this story of Mr. Weishaupt, this is the legend about how he learned the ideas that led to the Bavarian Illuminati, ancient Egyptian mysteries, and merchants with esoteric knowledge, the island of Malta, Cagliostro, and initiations into Illuminism at Avignon and Lyon. Maybe that has some of the ties to the Martinus, because that is out of the French school of thinking. And we talked a little bit about the origin of that group, perhaps coming from Pasqualis Martinez, whom is alleged to be a Jewish theosopher. So we'll talk a little bit more about that in the second hour, but we also touched upon this in the occult degrees of Freemasonry in the second hour of the previous episode. So despite if this tale of Weishaupt's exposure to Illuminism was actually true or not, I think it's very interesting that his adepts were promoting it. And this is similar to Albert Pike or Madame Blavatsky's takes on the Templars. Whether they're true or not... The point is, all of these occult adepts were exposed to these ideas, and that led to the rallying around trying to avenge the death of Jacques de Molay by killing the King of France, Louis XVI. So perhaps could there have been a pragmatism there if these things were indeed not true about the alleged Gnosticism of the Knights Templar? Or perhaps was there some truth to those heresies 
And Barrowell makes the point that either way, you're still claiming succession to some pretty sordid things. Even if you think that the charges were a bit trumped up, there's a lot of stuff that the Masons and Theosophists will claim as their own that I wouldn't be so proud of. But hey, that's just me. And one of those is the disorganizing mysteries of Manichaeanism, as Barrowell calls it, and he says that Weishaupt was promoting reading these types of ideas to his Illuminis, even though he started to move away from them and despise the twofold god of ancient Illuminism, as Barrowell says, when he got into the more atheistic viewpoints of all of these things. But the point is that the doctrines of Mainz were useful in fomenting rebellion against government and leading to a universal anarchy, because this is tied to how the ancient Gnostics thought of the Roman imperial state, and obviously the idea that the Catholic Church is just the successor of that. Whether you're a Protestant or an occultist, usually they will start bashing the Roman Catholic Church for actually being a continuation of pagan Rome, but their reasoning for it and their understanding of those things are also set in opposition. So regardless, the Gnostic dualism seems to always be at present, whether they unify that into a monistic whole above the duality, it doesn't seem to matter because it gets the job done and attacks the Catholic Church and calls it the false authority. So with the last 15 minutes of the first hour, let's just summarize some of the main points that we would like to illuminate in regards to these Bavarian Illuminati writings. And we have Mr. Weishaupt actually admiring some saints of the Catholic Church, but Mr. Mirabeau, one of the Illuminati adepts who was tied to the French Revolution, provides us further insight into this reverence, seemingly, for Ignatius of Loyola and the Catholic system. And it's that Weishaupt wanted to take this and diametrically oppose his doctrines to the Catholic's version, but base it upon a similar structure of authority and hierarchy. So that's pretty ironic if your doctrines are all about liberty, equality, and having this sort of communism attached, yet you have a rigid hierarchy. That doesn't seem to make sense, and that's similar to Freemasonry. And we talked about how Albert Pike in Morals and Dogma says that Freemasonry is a direct inversion of Catholic dogma. And he pretends that Dante's Inferno is a work of Kabbalah to demonstrate this. And this is perhaps similar to Hitler and the Nazis, where Hitler respected certain things about the Catholic Church. One of them was its celibacy, but he wanted to invert it for the Nazi principles, right? So it's the idea of pragmatically using the church for your own ideology, driving it, because it's a useful tool. It's already universal, and you could argue that this has been the goal of many different regimes for ages, ranging from the so-called angels speaking to John Dee and Edward Kelly, who wanted a universal synthesis of religions, that would be Catholic, but a very different version of it. And, of course, they're telling them to wife-swap, which is completely opposite of Catholic doctrine. And then we have Weishaupt and the Freemasons trying to do the same and corrupt the clergy with their ideas. And then we have perhaps another incarnation of that 
with Mr. Napoleon trying to drive his Enlightenment deist principles through the Catholic Church, and then Hitler doing the same thing, and then you could argue that the modern-day American CIA, in conjunction with the modern Jesuit John Courtney Murray and others, were trying to use the Church for those very principles and trying to manipulate Vatican II and all the things that people in the Catholic Church today complain about as the fruits of the Second Vatican Council, but more specifically the Novus Ordo Mass. And then you'll find that Mr. Weishaupt is very paranoid, and that sometimes carries over to the other members, such as Baron von Kanigi, who actually accuses Weishaupt of being a Jesuit because he's micromanaging. So anytime there's a problem, accuse someone of being a Jesuit, that seems to work during this time. But in order to prevent Jesuit infiltration, well, Weishaupt in his paranoia will take all kinds of preventative measures where he is forming all these elaborate systems of surveillance on the initiates below him. And it's very much a 1984 system, but based upon psychoanalysis. He didn't have all the fancy internet technology to store data, but they did store extensive notes and files on all of their initiates, and in formulating their degrees, they would ask them specific questions, and if they seemed to be a little bit more favorable towards religion or Christianity, they were weeded to the left, whereas the ones who were much more hostile to it and already enamored with Enlightenment principles, they would be weeded to the right, and there'd be a certain program to try to purge the Christianity and reverence for the monarchy or governments attached to it, and that is how they moved up the chain in these Illuminati mysteries. And the Minerval schools were specifically to target the universities, and Weissop was trying to get the youth exposed to Illuminism, attack the kids when they are bound to their passions and they have that youthful spirit and go-get-em attitude, well, let's read from Weishaupt his plan for these sorts of younger folk in the universities. He says, quote, According to my views, I cannot employ men as they are. I must form them. And each class of my order must be a preparatory school for the next, and all this must necessarily be the work of time. So slowly indoctrinating these people to form them in his own image, in this Adam's own image, maybe the Adam Kadmon of Kabbalah on some level, just a much less mystical version where it's the primitive man before Christianity and the noble savage's equality, or that idea of equality where it's actually elites on pyramids sacrificing people, similar to how Adam Weishaupt wanted to sacrifice his own son for his own reputation. And he has some other writings from the Discourse on the Mysteries saying that the object is indeed a universal revolution, but it's supposed to be a peaceful one where they subvert their ideas into education and all of the higher institutions, and people just become slowly indoctrinated into Illuminism, or basically this primitive leftist Marxism, and you could probably see that happening today. And that in silence, the greatest activity possible in doing this must scatter the inhabitants of the earth towards the same point. So, this is a universal agenda of which he says the force of secret societies will be the driving agent of which this empire of Illuminism was to rest. 
You could read that on page 413 if you'd like in the Jackie edition of Barwell's memoirs. And is this similar to the UN agenda and its Lucius Trust theosophy, where it's all about peace and love and anti-war, seemingly, but then you take leaders like Obama and his regime, and you have a secret dismantling of the African continent by the overthrow of Gaddafi in order to install IMF banking and keep the reserve currency alive in the petrodollar, And this is everything that the left complains about, right? Oh, evil corporations that go to war for oil and money, just like the Bush administration. Well, we don't do that. And we are progressive because we have a black president and he's working with a woman who might be the first female president in Hillary Clinton. And we're so amazing, right? But is the esoteric reality that the Clinton-Obama duo took out a leader who was trying to empower the black people, the real black people in the entire continent of Africa on its own resources and get away from that evil white privilege petrodollar, all while people are in the streets crying Occupy Wall Street and Black Lives Matter and all that typical rhetoric. Well, what's really going on here? Are you a giant hypocrite and your regime you are supporting is actually doing the very opposite of what you claim it's about? And of course, when war is bad and killing people and we need to have peace, which I am not against that. But when you're saying we need to sacrifice 50 million babies a year and that is liberty, is that any better? In fact, it might be worse depending on what the war is actually fought for. But is that part of the left-right dialectic of America that's on the political materialist sphere? And we've already mentioned the more spiritual, magical dialectic of left and right paganism with the Nazis versus the pantheistic vegan type occultists. And so since Mr. Weissop and crew seem to be a lot more in line with the leftist ideals, well, I think that we should examine the Illuminati's plan for women in their order and compare that to the modern leftist feminists today and see if there are any parallels. And this is very interesting. On page 417, the plan for the order of women is that they shall be subdivided into two classes, each forming a separate society, each having a different secret. The first one is for the virtuous women, right? The ones that are more tied to traditional morality. Perhaps this would be like the Republican or conservative women or at least the image that that presents, whether they behave that way or not, that is kind of the general projection of what it's supposed to be tied to. That 1950s golden age where America was great and we had all of the traditional rules and morality intact. But for the other side of the coin, we have a second group of the wild, the giddy, the voluptuous, basically the sexually immoral women who can't really behave themselves or control their passions. And here's the kicker. Both of these classes are to be ignorant that they are under the direction of men. That is a direct quote. So of these intellectually elite, strong female ladies of this Illuminati system, these superiors are to be persuaded that they are under a mother lodge of the same sex, meaning unifying around women's rights and equality and freedom, 
But the reality is that, quote, these orders are to be transmitted by men. So is this like Gloria Steinem being controlled by the CIA, where the projection out to the masses is that she's a strong, independent lady who doesn't want to have any Yaldabaoth evil creation in her stomach, and she's going to be proud to have an abortion with her little Masonic triangle and the shirt that says, I had an abortion in pride. And of course, championing black rights and equality for everyone and socialism and all of that leftist progress. But the reality is that she's just under the puppet strings of a bunch of rich white guys in the CIA. And another interesting parallel of these Illuminati doctrines, which are supposed to subvert the university system and tied to these ideas of women having these pretended equal rights, but they're really under the puppet strings of men. Well, these next statements relate to the caduceus of college campuses that we talked about in occult Catholicism, where we have the Dionysian orgies and the enabling of the passions for the exoteric, right? The frat boys on the right side who want to drink a bunch of beer and chips, chips, chips. And then on the left side, you have the hippies that want to smoke a bunch of pot, and they're all engaging in their own sexual orgies to varying degrees. Well, that's part of the Illuminati doctrines too, where the reading of good books will be for the conservative women, but the latter, the ones who don't mind getting a little debaucherous and are proud of it, well, these latter shall be formed to the arts of secretly gratifying their passions, so this is a left-right dialectic, and the advantages of this system, of these female Illuminati orders, or perhaps sororities, would be that first, the money which the sisterhood would pay at their initiation. So if you think about college being related to an initiation ritual tied to this stuff, you are paying all this money, or at least taking out debt for life, in order to gain this quote-unquote education, so the whole point of bringing women into this academic Illuminati is to drain them of resources and get money from them. And the second is to give a heavy tax upon their curiosity under the supposition of secrets that are to be learned. And this association might moreover serve to gratify those brethren who had a turn for the sensual pleasure. So this is for the brethren to get their rocks off with all of these loose ladies and giving them this idea of academic or intellectual freedom in order to fleece them of money and impose heavy taxes upon them. So, if you think about the traditional way of being where women were generally in the home, they weren't paying taxes, right? The women's labor was untaxable. It was invaluable. But now that they're in the university system and encouraged to keep getting higher and higher on the initiation of the corporate ladder, or the Illuminati structure, if you will, well, that provides a heavy tax upon them, and they will pay all kinds of money to gain this secret gnosis, but that's just a carrot that's held over them, and they're secretly encouraged to be loose women so that the brethren can have their way with them, and again, get their rocks off. So, it's a pretty sadistic system, but do you see parallels of that today, especially in the modern academic world, and how all these things operate? And when someone wants to rebel against that, they get put into a dialectic where they actually only help the puppet masters even though they claim they're against them, like being against capitalism and war and all that kind of stuff, versus the other side is against the liberal degeneracy. And is that any different than the 
left-wing versus right-wing Nazi dialectic. And we talked about how pre-World War II, the Catholic Church was against all of that, saying that Nazism is bad, that Anglo-capitalism is bad, that Marxist Bolshevism is bad, that any Jewish elements in either side of those dialectics are bad. All that stuff is going to destroy and enslave people, and that the Catholic Church is the unity of all those opposites, but people don't like the dogma or the morality or the faith that you would have to have to believe in superstitious darkness tied to old world religion that puts you in bondage. But the church is saying all these other things that claim they are about liberty and freedom are the ones actually putting you in bondage. So you can decide for yourself what you think about all that. But if you are tied to any of these ideas that sound like the Illuminati and promoting them, perhaps you might want to rethink some of these things. I'll let you decide. So to wrap it up, we'll give a few more examples of some interesting nuggets of information before we get into hour two. One of them is that it's much easier to promote these ideas in the Protestant countries. And in fact, they warn their adepts not to alarm the Catholics and try to hide from them more, whereas the Protestants allow much more tolerance and liberty. So they are much more useful in the dissemination of these Illuminati ideas and doctrines. You'll also find some Carl Jung psychology stuff where they start talking about the anima and animus in relationship to psychology, and this is probably where a lot of that Freud stuff comes from in overlapping with these Illuminati ideas and the psychological surveillance on the members below. They also talk a lot about the mysteries of Isis and Egypt and Eleusis and Pythagoreanism, all this Freemasonic stuff. And they also intentionally form different degrees for Christian aristocracy, be them Protestant or Catholic, and in fact, they even say, write them like it would be a Jesuit writing, which means tied to Christianity and the tradition of unifying the church and state under Christendom in order to not arouse suspicion, right? So here is the kicker. All the Protestants claiming that the Jesuits are the Illuminati and whatever, this is a distinction that makes that viewpoint kind of absurd, where they're saying, write the degrees intentionally like the Jesuits would and make them sound more Catholic or Christian so that we can subvert the aristocracy that wants Christianity and they won't have any suspicion that we're just trying to overthrow them with these anarchal atheistic doctrines, right? There also seems to be elements of trauma-based mind control where they really screw with their lower-level initiates. And this actually reminds me a lot of John Dee and Edward Kelly where these quote-unquote angels are giving them a sort of trauma-based mind control or good cop, bad cop experience. And is that the above and the below working together in tandem, despite these Illuminists trying to think that everything is rational and natural and there's no supernatural reality to any of this? And the actual rituals seem very Masonic. There's a lot of allusions to the system of nature or God of nature, stuff like that. The natural Christ. And think about the Minerval degrees tied to the Minerval Owl of Wisdom. And then there's the weird Bohemian Grove stuff with the Minerval Owl and all that kind of strangeness. And then there's some Judaizing elements where they're talking about the land of Canaan, a new land of promise, a land of abundance and blessing. And so there's sort of this millennialist fervor attached to it, it would seem, where they're going to have this final utopia. 
Here's a nice quote on the ends justifying the means type doctrines. Only employ the same means for a good purpose which imposters employ for evil, and you will succeed. If the wicked are powerful, it is because the good are too timid and too indolent. There may be circumstances also which under it will become necessary to show displeasure, even anger, in defense of the rights of man. So tactics that people use to employ evil, you can do those same things, but as long as you had a good intention, a good purpose, and that sometimes you'll have to be against Masonic liberty, equality, and Illuminism in order to not upset the exoteric people trying to crack down on you. So basically lie about your intentions. But as we mentioned, there will be all kinds of ideas of virtue and morality and justice that are being appealed to, while at the same time telling you to steal books from the aristocracy and from nobility because they don't deserve to have them, and you should, and that's totally fine. There's all kinds of things that are being justified that would be crimes, but because it's to advance Illuminism and the ends justify the means, then there's not really a problem with it. But they promote those things amongst the adepts of whom they've analyzed might be more receptive to doing that. So they might ask a question, what would you do in this situation? And if they give a more unscrupulous answer, they know that they can give those particular adepts some of these tasks that are more unscrupulous. So it's kind of like the left justifying anything that they've done that's bad because they're fighting fascism, right? Anything goes when you're fighting fascism. And I suppose we can wrap up on what the object of the secret Jesus is. So the Illuminati have the true gnosis of Jesus Christ, like the Gnostic state they do. And this notion of the divine master, he calls them, was to reinstate mankind in their original primitive equality and liberty. And this is something that the plot against the church says that subverters do. Oh, the Catholic clergy are immoral. There's this aristocracy that's evil. And none of the apostles in early Christianity had this. It was communistic. It was primitive. It was sharing, right? And this is what Vysop is doing. So now you know where that kind of stuff comes from. And the Catholic response to that, as far as I know, is that during that time, they were oppressed, and so they had to resort to these means in order to survive. And then once Christianity took root and was able to be established as a state religion, that's when they fulfilled the prophecies of Christ being kings and priests in his millennium. And of this natural Christ, they say, this explains in what sense Christ was the savior and liberator of the world. Now, the doctrine of original sin, of the fall of man, and of his regeneration can be understood. The state of pure nature, or fallen or corrupt nature, and the state of grace will no longer be a problem. Mankind, in quitting their state of original liberty, meaning paganism, fell from the state of nature and lost their dignity. So basically, the fall was actually Christianity taking over, and that the original state of man in the Garden of Eden was paganism before Christianity. So they're reversing the context. And they state, quote, In their civil society under their governments, they no longer live in the state of pure nature, but in that of a fallen and corrupt nature. So Catholic Christendom is the fallen and corrupt nature. If the moderating of the passions and the diminution of their wants reinstate them in their primitive dignity, that will really constitute their redemption in their state of grace. So basically, listen to Daniel Pinchbeck. He knows what's up, because we need to return to this primitive equality and grace before Christian civilization and go back to the Amazon, go back to the Mayan culture, 
And the ironic thing is you would actually listen to the Pope Francis Amazonian Synod, and that's kind of the point. Are they actually preaching doctrines more akin to the Illuminati and fulfilling their goals of infiltrating the Vatican or the clergy? Now, there's one key difference. Adam Weishaupt is saying to moderate your passions and still be in control of them, and that will restore you to the primitive Christianity, whereas the Catholic Church, you can't do that in the Catholic Church. They're hypocrites. So (laughs) is he actually the hypocrite because he's the one screwing his sister-in-law and trying to have an abortion? Whereas the modern-day incarnation of this leftist noble savage is that let your passions run free, and that's just you being you, right? So this is one instance where most of these doctrines overlap, but then they take one of them and they invert it and flip it, and that's supposed to make it completely different, right? And so to finish up, they say, It is to the point that morality, and the most perfect of all morality, that of Jesus, led mankind. When at length this doctrine shall be generalized throughout the world, and the reign of the good and of the elect shall be established. So they can't get away from the biblical language, right? This is the kingdom of Christ, the universal paganism of which Christ taught primitively and the Catholic Church corrupted and invented him into a god or something like that. And the elect of Illuminism will reign supreme under this universal socialism and leftist university crap. So that is the secret of the Illuminati And it's what most people believe today in America, generally speaking. But is there a right alternative to that that's just based upon the same foundational principles, but it seems like it's something different because a couple things are set in opposition? Or is that the point in how you get controlled through dialectics? So in the second hour, we'll go into the aspects of the Jesuits, any relationships to quote-unquote Judaizing elements of the Illuminati, and the idea of Ignatius Loyola being an alleged crypto-Jew tied to Illuminism, and all these sorts of things that are promoted in the alternative media that might be a little confusing, but perhaps we can give some clarity to them. To gain access to the second hour, head to www.rockstaresoterica.com. And become a member to gain all access to all content at all times. Or to purchase individual episodes such as this one, head to schism206.podbean.com.